Wednesdays where we just started. And, uh, you know, this next chapter that we're getting into is it talks to the church. And, you know, my original, uh, I really felt led that uh, someday I was going to have to teach this in the congregation. But I, I thought, well, maybe we're doing it on Wednesday, so I won't have to bring it to the congregation. But I don't think, I think the Holy Spirit has something totally different planned. Most of what we talk about today is going to come from Timothy, if the Lord wills, and some a little bit of Colossians where we were last week. Um, Lord, you know how I've struggled and am still in this moment struggling. Lord, I pray that um, your word would be brought forth, not mine. Father, don't let anything happen here that's not your will. Father, let only, only your Holy Spirit have words today. Let only your, only your spirit speak through me and not myself. Lord, I pray that you would grant grace to the speaker. I pray that you would grant grace to those who are listening. That we may hear clearly what you're telling your people. And that we also, Father, would have the strength to carry on what you've spoken to us. Father, I pray and, and thank you in Jesus' name for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... <clears throat> The last time we were together, one of the, the main scriptures that we talked about when we were together on Wednesday with our Wednesday group was First Timothy, uh, beginning in chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. My brothers and sisters, I want to pause here just for a moment. Those of you who are studying with us, um, you, you'll know that you know, uh, Paul looks at Timothy as his spiritual son and he addresses him so and there's, there's this uh, attachment. Uh, uh, but at the same time, Paul also has Timothy at this church at Ephesus and there's obviously some issues at the church and Paul is, uh, has already told him that there were some things that need to be brought in order. There's some false teachings and there's some people that are saying a lot of things but they have nothing to do with what the word of the Lord says. It's more their own doctrine and theology, if you will. But, but look what he says. According to the prophecies previously made to you that by them you may wage the good warfare. My brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. We are in a warfare. There's, there's no question about it. And he knows he's putting Timothy right in the heat of the battle in this church because there's already false doctrine, as I just mentioned. There's already false teachings. There's already these people who think there's something or somebody, and uh, he has to bring that church in order. But look at what he says as he addresses those. Having faith and a good conscience. My brothers and sisters, this is the thing that we need to continue to hang on to the things that we know that are right. We can't violate those things. We can't give ourselves permission to compromise because when we do that, look at some have rejected. Rejected what? The, the good things, the things that have been already taught to them, the things that they already know. See, he's, he's instructing Timothy. You know, you know having faith, you, you, you've, it's already been prophesied about you. There's already this thing, that this, this mantle. There's already this anointing that you have upon you, right? So now, work according to that. Work with that, right? And, 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 and wage this good warfare. You're a soldier. You've already been anointed and appointed a soldier. And so have you, by the way. If you're born again, you're, you're, you have a target on your back. But look at having faith and a good conscience. Not violating what you know. 
young people, old people, everybody in between, we cannot violate what we already know. When we start doing that, look what happens. You reject that and concerning the faith, your, your faith becomes shipwrecked. And I'm going to tell you, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you will not make it to heaven. Without faith, you don't... What do you believe? Why do you believe it? In 2 Corinthians, just listen to me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not bodily, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So, so look, strongholds, arguments, every high thing that, let, listen, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This battle started in the garden. I'm going to read, because uh, some of you have never read this, or it's been a long time. So now remember, Adam and Eve are in the garden. God has told them, everything is for you. Adam, you subdue everything. It's under your authority. You subdue it. You take control over it. You have dominion over it. But there's one thing you cannot do, and they did. They were tempted. They did it. They gave into temptation. They knew. They violated. And here we are, beginning in verse 12. The man said, when Adam was confronted by God, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. So Adam blamed two people, God and the woman. Didn't take responsibility himself. Unfortunately, my brothers and sisters, there we are in a lot of areas in our lives, in in the society, in the culture. It's the woman, God, you gave me this woman. It's your fault and her fault. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, listen, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise, he shall bruise your head, excuse me, and you shall bruise his heel. Did you hear that? Okay, we know that. Many of us in this room, we know that. Many of us watching, we know what that's referring to, right? But uh, it's very important as we go further that you remember, he didn't say the seed of the man. He said her seed, the seed of the woman, right? Keep that in mind. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your, and your conception, in your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. See, you're, you're going to want authority over your husband. You're going to want to rule that. You're going to want to have that station that your husband has. But, he, but you're not going to have it. Did you, did you hear? Now, listen, if anybody thinks that I'm taking anything out of context or I'm misstating anything, hold your uh, comments and then see me after service and then we'll, we could have a discussion. But consider what I'm saying to you and consider what the words of this page are saying. Consider what Holy Spirit is saying to us. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of, the, out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. My brothers and sisters, it says right after this that Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all who lived. 
Okay, I want to, I, I threw that in there because that's for any of my follow the science people and that can't be done. Uh, the, the, everybody who's alive as a human being couldn't have comforted through two people. Yes, God just said so. Okay? And I'm not going to argue with God. If you want to, go ahead and go ahead and, and play boastful in front of me how smart you are and how much you know, but let's see how smart you are when you stand in front of Him. Just leaving it there. Just don't, not trying to be, you know, get your dander up. But see, this is where the war began. And you notice that some of those things that God said, okay, because you've done that, this thing, because now you have gone ahead and you've, you had a taste for something more than you already had and you had everything. But that wasn't enough for you. But because you wanted more, because there was something more out there, because remember how the enemy tempted the, the tree. It was, you know, it was good for the eyes. It appealed to the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, pride of life. Pride of life. God knows when you eat of this, you're going you're to be like Him. You're going to know what He knows. Your status is going to change. Did you hear that? That's where the battle began. So now in Ephesians we read in chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Did you see that? Now you know, I know that you know this scripture. So hang on, don't get bored, don't turn off the, the whatever it is device you're watching me on right now. Don't get bored. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is a spiritual battle. The people that think that you think are your enemy, there's more to it than just that. They're not your enemy. They're not your enemy. It's the spirit behind it. So look, I want to remember, uh, there's a reason why I have that um, highlighted in that way. And you'll see why here in this next scripture. In Colossians chapter 2, beginning of verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Remember, we had Resurrection Sunday last Sunday and how important it is. And here's even more as to why it's important. Look at verse 13 with me. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made alive together with him, having forgiven all you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed what? principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Are you there? Triumphing over them in it. So my brothers and sisters, he's already won the war. This is, this is great news for you and I. Because we're fighting the battle every day, but we've got to know that we're not fighting a losing battle. We've already won. we just got to hang on, baby. Just hey, hang on and keep fighting. Keep fighting. And see, that's where we are right now. That's where we are. And, and see, now again, I'm, I, I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist, although I hope that some people can hear this message as evangelism. Anyone who's not saved, I hope by somehow, some way, through this scripture and through the Holy Spirit, you have an, an unction to know Christ and, and to make Him the Lord of your life. I pray, God, that you will save somebody. And if you haven't, it's been a long time since you've studied the Bible, I hope hearing this word sparks something on your, in your heart and you want to reconnect with Jesus by Holy Spirit. Amen? 
But now I'm talking to uh, church. I'm talking to church people. I'm talking to my flock. I'm going to read you part of an article. And some of you have already heard about this. All right? First grade teacher tells students that doctors guess the gender of babies and sometimes make an incorrect guess. See, now, I feel sorry for old Mitch because Mitch spent a little time with his father-in-law yesterday, so he's getting to hear this twice. Mitch, just help me preach, brother. So now listen to this. A charter school in Boston held an identity share session on a Zoom call with kindergartners, first graders, second graders. Did you, get, did you catch that? Kindergarten, first, second. So what's that, about seven, eight years old, max? Five to seven, eight years? Okay. During this session, one of the teachers, a transgender man named Ray Scott, whatever his name, who cares, informed the children that when babies are born, doctors guess their gender and sometimes they're wrong. Let me, let me just say something to you. Uh, I was there when both of my kids were born and I didn't go to medical school. And, you know, but I'm just dumb enough to know exactly what gender they were as soon as they came out. Hallelujah. I'm a genius. Here's the point. You don't have to be a genius. But this is what they're teaching the young people. Hallelujah. On the Zoom call, this person asked to be, he, he was asked to share something cool about himself. And the coolest thing about himself, apparently, is that he's transgender. Because that was what he shared with them. Before diving into his ridiculous, inappropriate explanation of transgender, this person reminds the kids that they're touched a little bit in the beginning of the week in the book. There was a book that they evidently went over in the beginning of the week that touched on this subject. These uh, K through second graders already read a book on being transgender. Come on, stop. Listen. Listen. Just listen to me. And you see how worked up some of you are getting? Hush. You're getting worked up because I'm going to say something else in a minute. Let's see if you're worked up the same way. Let's keep going. This is in itself totally inappropriate classroom topic for such young kids. Amen? Amen? So sometimes that's really cool and unique about who I am. That is, I am transgender, this person said. And that's when he went into about doctors guessing and so on and so forth. Now, do you know, my brothers and sisters, so, so many of you who um, automatically politi- uh, pick a political side based on the R or the D, uh, the R that's in the office right now, this state, simply that thing that he signed into legislation was simply that kindergartners, first graders, second graders, and third graders should not be taught by any teacher about transgenderism, sex, sexual matters at all, period. That's it. Had nothing to do with, you know, don't say gay or blah, blah, blah. It had nothing to do with that. It just said that's between those kids' ages, at that age, that's between them and their parents. No teacher, no state. Do you know that in one state, I believe it's in California, they already have all of this stuff and they're saying to them about CRT and transgenderism and all this stuff, hide it from the parents. Now, you, I'm not making this up. And some of you can say, okay, so Tony, why? okay, just, just hang on. I, know I saw something that was also banned in our state there was a math thing, um, uh, polynomials, and they, they had graphs. And on these graphs are 
And according to these graphs, I'm just going to say it this way because I'm not going to be able to give you everything. According to these graphs, my granddaughters uh, and my grandson, if they happen to have these classes, but I certainly know that my two youngest granddaughters, by the time they hit this public school, that it says that people like me, my age group, my belief system, uh, I'm, the most, I'm, I'm the most racist that there is in our country. According to me, according to them, my age group, you know, my race, and my beliefs, I'm, I'm more racist than anybody. So now watch. A long time ago, I, I know Eleni's watching the kids back there and she's listening. A long time ago, uh, Eleni and I had conversations because Eleni seemed to be most interested and she's, she rides home in the pop-up bus every Sunday. So we had an occasion to talk because someone had said something and it concerned her a little bit. And I told her then, listen, someday people are going to say stuff about me. You've got to know that it's not true. You know me. So no matter how many times they say it to you, you know me. Just go trust me. Trust what you know about me. Trust me. Amen? Amen. Okay. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Now, also one thing that our governor and our legislation, the state legislation did, was they signed some kind of a bill, and the, I don't even know what it's called. I mean, I don't want to read, uh, bore you with all these... Uh, there was an event in Tampa to support a $70 million responsible fatherhood initiative. And this was unanimously passed. That means all parties, all ages, all sexes, all races in the Florida legislation and the governor, they all agreed on this thing. Now, Tony Dungy, who's been for years trying to do uh, uh, the father's thing and encouraging and coaching fathers and doing a very, very good job. Tony Dungy, who is probably one of the most respected men in the NFL, in the community, and certainly in our community. Do you know that because he appeared, and that's just something that's so near and dear to his heart, and because he appeared with the governor, he was so criticized. So criticized. In his brief remarks, Dungy emphasized the importance of fatherhood, particularly in the black community. Quote, It really got driven home to me my first year here in Tampa when I got the job as the head coach of the Buccaneers. Legendary man here by the name of Abe Brown. Many of you know the name Abe Brown. He had a prison ministry. He wanted me to go with him, and I went on the first trip expecting to see grizzled, hard, tough older guys, and what I met were 19, 20, and 21-year-old kids who looked like my boys. And I remember driving home from the trip and asking Reverend Brown, how did these young boys get here? And he told me it's not socioeconomic, it's not racial, it's not education, none of that. 95% of these boys did not grow up with their dad, and that hit me. I'm not going to name names. I, I just don't want to do this, but I will say that one of the uh, commentators who is, used to be a sports commentator who now is a political commentator said this about Tony Dungy after this. He's a fascist prop. Fascist political prop. I wonder if that person knows what the meaning of fascist is. No. See, we throw around these words and we say these things about people who maybe don't have the same opinion of us. This person who said this is white. 
He's white. I'm not giving the name. He's white. And he said that Tony Dungy is a fascist prop. So, why? Because he was standing next to a governor that he doesn't agree with. This person has never walked in Tony Dungy's shoes. Tony Dungy has done more to help people than all of these people that made comments. I would venture to say he's done more to positively affect people than all of them put together. And I'll guarantee you that Tony Dungy would experience racism in his life growing up. I guarantee you. Guarantee you. But there he is. He who? Tony Dungy. Going at doing things the right way. You know what? He was so criticized. Um, <laughs> he noted on Twitter, this is Tony Dungy said, 14 years ago, President Obama said the same things almost verbatim. I'm assuming people were outraged at him too. This is what he said. I'm serving the Lord, so I'll keep supporting dads and families. Amen. My brothers and sisters, this is the warped time that we're living in. This is the battle that we're fighting. So, whether you're black, white, a Hispanic, it doesn't matter. We all experience negativity. I, I, I've, not, I've never been a, a black man or a Hispanic man. I've always been an Italian man. Mm-mm. American first. See, that, that's, that's this thing. We keep wanting to divide all of this stuff. And we want to keep doing this. And my brothers and sisters, this is the power and the principality that's being spoke of. And we keep giving into it. We want to make excuses for our shortcomings. Well, it's because I'm this color. Or, uh, you know, it's because that person is put, being put... And I'm not talking about just our black people, our, our African-American people. I'm not talking about just my, my peeps that have been with me for years and years and years. And we know each other. And by the way, uh, those of you... Am I a racist just because I'm white? That's, well, don't you forget about that either. That's the only reason why I like you so much. No, I'm just kidding. And I've forgiven her for trying to make my wife think that she was black too. No, we can have fun. But see, this is, this is how it should be. We should be able to talk like this, have conversations, and be jovial, jovial about it. You know what? Yeah, there are some things that people with different uh, colors, different nationalities suffered, that, but there are also some things that I've suffered that you've never experienced. Well, it may not be exactly the same, but there's all these things that we all suffer, um, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but my brothers and sisters, how, how would you feel? I mean, almost every time I start a new job, or because my name has a vowel at the end of it, and because I'm from the Northeast, they, people think that I have some kind of a mob tie. You better get saved or else. Just saying. I know some. I, I know a guy. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But but you know, but we all suffer certain things, and because I didn't go to the right school or I didn't go to the right whatever, fill in the blank. There are certain groups of people who are going to be prejudice against me, who are not going to like me. And you know what? Honestly, do I want to be liked by people? Yeah, I'm just like the next person. But listen, now I'm old enough where, you know what? Shut up! 
there's one, there's two people that really need to be pleased with me. One is Michelle, and the other one's Jesus. <laughs> Not in that order, but. <laughs> but do you understand? Do you hear my heart? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep this light, but my brothers and sisters, we have a serious problem in the church. In the church. So we have this war, this battle that we're fighting. And because we are working, most of us, I know that most of us in this room have either retired or from a job so where we were working or we're still working, partially retired, or we're working. We're working. We're putting in some hours. Some of us work in more than one job. We've got to make ends meet. We've got to pay bills. We've got to do all. And in the midst of all that, we're being beat about the head and shoulders with all of this spiritual stuff. Why? Because of these powers and these principalities. The spiritual wickedness in high places. In the highest places. Are you with me? Alright. Alright. So now let's go back to Timothy. Now, we're gonna, now you're going to start not liking me. Let's go back to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 2. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for how many men? All men. Whether you agree with them, like them or not. But now look at this part. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. You don't have to agree with the people in charge, but this very specifically is telling us that we should pray for them. There is nobody in charge that surprised God. You know what? When this election was won, they, you know, God, man, I didn't know he was going to win. Wow, how about that? God knew exactly who was going to be in charge and he allowed it to happen. Amen. And the last election, same thing. Oh my, how did that guy win? I didn't, man, he cheated. Everything. Didn't surprise God. God knew exactly who would be there. And God knows when he said this through the Apostle Paul, and he knew that there would be a little guy in this pulpit telling you and reminding me that no matter who's in charge, we need to pray for him. Okay, amen. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. How many men? All All men. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I, I was appointed preacher and apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. That last verse wasn't up there. I wasn't going to put it up there, but I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, when, when, that, when that ministered to me, I read that for me. I'm trying to tell the truth in Christ, and I'm not making up stories. I'm not giving you my heart. I'm telling you, that's why I use all these scriptures. I'm telling you what the scripture says. So now we get to go ahead and hash this out. I get to preach about it. We open them up a little bit and we talk. And now I highlighted something there. The man. The man, Jesus Christ. He came to earth and he defeated the enemy, the powers and the principalities. Everything that we just started this sermon. He did it in the flesh. He did it. Listen. He did. Remember, remember, remember. Watch. He said, I could command a legion of angels and I could, be, I could get out of this. I could, do, I could crush anybody I want to. He didn't say it like that. That's Tony. That's the Dade City vernacular. No, that's the, the Northeastern vernacular. I, I got a guy. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, he didn't. He did it as a man. Hallelujah. 
then he got up out of that grave to even defeat the last enemy, death. And so now, when he says that we've got the victory, we've got the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So all of these people that want to tell us what to do, how to do it, when to do it, why to do it, if it's contrary to this, phooey. Hallelujah. Man, one God, one mediator, one. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that died for me. He's the only one that took my sins. He's the only one that defeated the enemy. There's no one else. I don't care who your second favorite preacher is. He he pales in comparison to Jesus. I don't care how big and how celebrated these uh, celebrity pastors and preachers get. They, They can't even come close. In fact, you hear frequently of how much, how many times they fall. I'm not criticizing any of them. I'm just merely saying that, listen, Jesus in the flesh as a man did not fall. He defeated all the powers and the principalities. He gave us the victory. He secured victory for you and for me. All we have to do is stay in Him. Amen? So now let's go further because now we're still in Timothy in this chapter. Men and women in the church. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. See, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm, t- I'm speaking to my peeps. I'm speaking to my church. So look at what the Holy Spirit is saying through the Apostle. I desire everywhere that men, men pray, lifting up holy hands. There, there's significance there. Give us clean hands and a pure heart. Amen? hands that weren't lifted in sin, hands that have no... uh, Listen, that have not served their own flesh, right? Hands that have not been lifted against another or for another. Hands, come on, holy hands, hands that have been separated for the work and for the use of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And here's, here's, without, well listen, without wrath and doubting, without doubting, Without doubting. I don't doubt Jesus. And I don't doubt His Word. And so, when I'm seeing this, listen, I get worked up. Can you tell? And I've confessed to you before, back a little while ago, all of this stuff because I see these attacks on kids and I see so many of the young people that have been in and out of this ministry and now aren't serving the Lord. And I see what's happening on Facebook, Snaptrap, Tic-Tac-Toe and all these other garbage platforms that our kids are getting more informed on and they're talking to each other and they're saying all of this stuff that is not true, but it's just a tool of the enemy. And so now these young people and older people, by the way, are believing all of this stuff. It's, it's, it amazes me how easily we believe what we see on that or what we see on the news or what we read in a paper or a blog or blah, blah, blah. Then we have the Word of God which has been proven. And we have a hard time believing that. So lift up holy hands. Tony? It's time for you not to be so wrathful. It's okay to have a holy anger to the extent that I'm not sinning or it's not blinding me. And what's affecting my anger is, my, is, it, is it because I'm fearful and I'm reacting that way? I've often told um, 
stories of my parents and stuff. My father and my mother, they raised me and my sister, did uh, they, did, they did right by us. They weren't born again yet, but they taught us to believe in God. And they did right by us. They taught us, you know, the golden rule, so to speak. But I, I noticed this about my father. <clears throat> my father, if I got hurt, I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't cry or he didn't <gasps> panic or anything like He got mad. He would get mad, he, he, you know, because he wants to fix it. You know, he, that's my little Brock Morton, and no one's going to hurt my little, you know. And I, you, you, do you understand what I'm saying? And so with my kids, it was, it was similar, I guess. But, you know, men, I try to explain to my grandchildren, you know, men act or react different. You know, sometimes you know, moms may get a little bit more emotional. Not all the time, but sometimes mom will get a little bit emotional, might, might cry, where dad gets emotional and he's, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt somebody now. I'm, who, who hurt my kid? Or uh, are you with me? Okay, so now watch. I'm not saying that that's right or, or it's excusable because I don't do my best godly work when I'm under that kind of emotional influence. Are you with me? So it's okay to understand the gravity. I hope I'm not speaking. I hope you guys are hearing me. So it's, listen, it's, it's okay to feel the gravity of the situation, but not let my emotion blind me to the spiritual aspect of what's going on. And now listen, and now raising my hands and giving it to him. Raising my hands. Yeah, if, if my kid is in, if my grandkids, my children, if they need medical treatment or if they need me to step in, if they need me to step in front of, of them or step between them and somebody else, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right? But my brothers and sisters, at the same time, I'm going <laughs> to, Lord, protect me now. <laughs> right? But I have to listen. I have to understand. I have to, listen, it has to be this, the emotional cannot take control and make me take action that's not spiritual. Why? Because, listen, I have the victory spiritually. Remember. The powers and the principalities can't touch me spiritually. Right? Okay, so lift up holy hands without wrath. Father, help us now. In Jesus' name. Father, we are in need of your direction. Father, help us to know what to say to our children. Father, help us in leading and guiding our children in your word. Father, help us to be more effective and do the right things, Father. Father, help us not to revile back when we're reviled. Father, help me not to want to strangle these people that are criticizing my brother Tony Dungy. Father, help me to forgive and to pray for them. Father, help me to understand that this is a spiritual battle and these people are not my enemy. Amen? Lift up holy hands without wrath. without, And not doubting. You know, in my situation, sometimes the doubt is going to come this way. You know, did I, did I mess up? Did I cross a line? Therefore, God, I want you to hear me. See, it says God hears those who obey Him. Isn't that what it says in Scripture? Okay, so now, okay, God, was there any area in my life where I've lacked, where I, I, I didn't pay attention to you? Is there any area in my life that I'm not following you? And so then, when I lift up my hands and I pray, there may be some doubt in that regard. Right? But some people may doubt just because there's this lack of faith. They, don't, they, 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 they heard Tony, Pastor Tony say it. And, and they've heard other pastors or preachers say it. They've even read it for themselves. But it never got real to them down on the inside. 
My brothers and sisters, this has to have, this has to be a spiritual experience down on the inside of you. Where no matter what you see, this is faith. No matter what you see, you believe what he says. So now, it doesn't look like I have the victory. And it doesn't look like, you know, it looks like all indications are that uh, the, the government or whoever is behind the enemy of our soul has got our kids trapped. It doesn't look like me just praying and me preaching like I'm preaching to you, like this is going to do any good. Well, it won't if we don't believe it. It won't if we don't act upon it. And when acting upon it means some of us need to homeschool our kids. Some of us need to take our kids out of the public school. Maybe we don't. Maybe some of us just need to listen, have some family altar time, and pay attention to what they're teaching our kids so when they do bring it home, we can say, that's not right. It's tough enough, isn't it? But lift up holy hands without wrath and not doubting knowing that God is true, knowing that the victory is already yours. Amen? In like manner also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls, costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, my granddaughters, if Ellie was in here, she could say, Hey, pop up there, here we go again, pop up, here we go again. My brothers and sisters, I'm going to say it again. If you are a Christian woman and you're wearing yoga pants out in public and you're wearing yoga pants to church, shame on you. Shame on you. Boy, it's pretty quiet, isn't it? I could hear the computers clicking off right now. I could hear them just... Now watch. Wait a minute. I didn't say that. He did. Take it up with him. Well, the pastor, that's your interpreting. He didn't say yoga pants. Again, I'm going to tell you, he didn't say pave the parking lot out in front of the church either, but we do that, don't we? Okay, my brothers and sisters, listen to me. This is the, well, pa- pastor, he's talking about a whole different, that was a different culture back then. Okay, so then you're one of them that think that maybe we need to reimagine the scriptures too because we're living in a totally different era right now, right? So which ones are we going to keep and take literal and which ones are we going to throw away? You tell me. And I'll laugh right in your face. You're not God. He's God. I'm not mad. I'm just saying. Don't let me bring him in. Hey, listen to this. Also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. With propriety and moderation. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. But which is proper for women professing godliness. With good works. See, uh oh. You know, part of your good works, older women, and I don't mean older women, <laughs> part of your good works is, listen, knowing how to present yourself, amen, before the younger women. That's part of your good works. But see, you can't just, this, this can't be a religious thing. It can't be, well, Pastor Tony said that I have to wear dresses to my ankles. I got to dress like, you know. I, no, I'm not saying, it can only be this color. It can only, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what the Word says. The Word says, listen, mo- be moderate. The Word is saying, don't try to draw attention to yourself by what you're wearing or how you do your hair. Should you look nice? Sure. Am I saying, don't ever put any makeup on your face? I didn't say that. Did I? 
No. I've seen some people without makeup. Thank God for makeup. That's all I'm going to say right there. Man. I, some people probably wish I'd wear some. But, I, you know, hey, it is what it is. But listen to me. I, I'm not trying to just be fine. I want, it, I, I want this to be, I want you to hear me. Because, listen, I've got granddaughters. I've got daughters. And we're going to go a little bit further in this. But my brothers, my sisters, the church... This is instruction to the church. Men, did you hear what God told you? Women, did you hear what God just told you? In like manner, you should be praying, lifting up holy hands as well, but you should also be appropriate and you should do with which conforms with godliness. How you dress, how you talk, all of that. Amen? Okay. Let women learn in... Uh-oh, here we go. Let w- women learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now, I can make all kind of excuses right here, and I could try to talk around this, but here's the thing. See, I've got to find that little Texas rag here because, you know, I'm starting to sweat now. These, these things, people in my position have tried to you know, soft soap or avoid. He said what he said. He said what he said. I can't apologize for it. This is God's word. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Teaching a man... Listen, we have many women who... Um, who, who bring a, a lot of... Michelle herself, when she taught at a women's conference, I bragged about her, because, and some of you know, I mean, not too long ago, I, I said, she got in the pulpit and she delivered a great message and the other women behind her you know, at a women's conference. Does that mean I think that never a woman should stand up before a man? I don't know about that. I, don't, I know this, though. A woman, in this case, there should not be a woman who's the head pastor of a church, according to this. Now watch. I already know that there are people who will no longer listen to me now. I already know it. I, all I can tell you is, I'm telling you what the Word of God says, and if you want to change the Bible, then you're in trouble, because you're not going to know what to change and what not to change. And there are many, and, and besides that, he says that if you change it, those plagues and those things that are in there are going to be on you. And so I, I want to be careful here. And I don't want to offend women. Man, Mitch don't want to offend women. Even the dog's female. I mean, <laughs> Mitch least of all could offend them. But we don't, it's not, it's not my goal to offend women here. Women have always had an important place. In fact, in Christianity, women were brought more to the forefront as it relates, if you want to speak to that culture, the first people that the first person that Jesus revealed himself to when he rose from the dead was a woman. And honestly, that wouldn't make sense if you looked solely and totally in that culture. Because why? A woman wouldn't be believed or trusted in that culture, in that time. But Jesus made sure, and the women were the ones that were the most faithful. When you think about it, when everybody ran except the Apostle John, there were some women that still hung. Even in the Old Testament, there's Deborah, there's many women, Ruth, there's many women in the Old Testament that stood. So, listen women, if you think that I'm demeaning your role as it relates to anything godly, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. In fact, I want to tell you, when we get to the end of this, you have probably one of the most important positions that there can possibly be as it relates to the situation we find ourselves in right now. That's the fact. Let women learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first. See, God set up the standard. God was the one. He made man first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into the transgression. Right? The woman was deceived. Adam just listened to his wife. Adam just, listen, Adam just did not do what God told him to do. Subdue it, take dominion over it, don't do that. Everything he wasn't supposed to do, he did. Everything he was supposed to do, he didn't. Adam's at fault. But Adam wasn't deceived by the serpent. Adam just followed another human being. Come on now. Now look at verse 15. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness with self-control. Now there are a handful of theories on what this means and always say, well, no one... In my heart, to me, the explanation is very, to me, very simple. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Why am I saying that? You remember what God said in the garden? This is war. And the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. He didn't say the man. The seed of the woman. And remember, when the angel appeared to Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph, you'll see it in you know, the Gospels, obviously, Matthew 1, Luke. When, when, the, when the angel appeared to Mary and said, listen, you have found favor with God. I want to clear something up because I know there are some denominations and doctrines built on this. Know what that means? That means Mary was so good that God pointed... No. No. It was God extending something to her. It wasn't that she earned it or deserved it. God gave it to her. That's grace. God gave it to her. And, listen... I do. I, I think this, God knew. Because listen, how she responds. She knows how bad this is going to be for her. She knows that there are going to be people who in her own family will disinherit her. Her own family will have nothing to do with her. She knows that the, she could be stoned to death. And this is what she says, simply. How is this going to happen? I've never had relations with a man. And remember, it said, God will do this. You're going to be overshadowed by Holy Spirit. See, it wasn't the man. God spoke Himself into that womb. It was the woman that conceived the Savior with Holy Spirit. And now some stupid people are going to say, well, see, God had sex with Mary. No, He did not. He overshadowed her. He spoke something and it happened. And now, why would I say something like that? Because there are people that say that. And those are the same people that will try to bring this spiritual battle to corrupt the Word of God to our children, to children who are young, not even to to adults. 
who, are, who don't study Scripture for themselves. My brothers and sisters, it's new age. This is still the same battle. It's the principalities, it's the powers. Come on, hang with me. I know some of you getting a little bit bored, maybe getting a little bit hungry, maybe getting a little tired. Hang on, this is important stuff. This is how the church should respond. This is how the church is supposed to be acting and reacting. I want to tell you some of... Listen, I have a daughter who is very smart. I have, a, I, I have granddaughters who are smart. I have a daughter-in-law who's got a college degree who's very accomplished in, in, in what she's doing. And now this is saying that she, they'll be saved in childbirth. Well, what does that mean? Galatians. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. So listen, it was Jesus, the Messiah, coming through a woman. That's how women and men are saved. She'll be saved through childbirth. It doesn't mean that you know, a woman who is a born-again Christian will never have any complications during childbirth. It doesn't mean that. It does, some people try to say that. It doesn't mean that if a woman has plenty of kids, then if she has the right number of kids, or if she gives birth to kids, then she's going to be saved. No, it doesn't mean that. It means, my brothers and sisters, that women, by a woman, the Savior of the world came. And if they believe and trust and stay committed to Him, if you read that scripture, if they believe and trust and stay committed to Him, they'll be saved. They'll be saved. Even though the woman, keep it in context with what he just said. This is where we get in trouble. Come on, don't get bored on me. This is where we get in trouble. Remember what he said. The woman was deceived. But now the point is, but she should still be saved. Even though she was deceived. And sin entered because of that deception. Even though that happened, she still will be saved through childbirth. How? Because she, the seed of the woman, is going to go ahead and manifest in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Not hard to figure out. It says it right there. So now I have all of these women. I want to tell you, you could be accomplished. You have degrees and, 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 and authority and good positions in the, in the workplace and, and you still have to... Uh, man, my, I'm so glad that I married someone like Michelle. Michelle could, could handle a lot of things. I don't want her job. I can't handle her. She's so much more equipped to do the things that she's done through her whole marriage than me. Why is this an issue, Tony? Because my brothers and sisters, they're trying to tell our kids all of this other stuff and we're feeding right into it. Why? Because women get offended when they see this. Women get offended. No, no. Well, this is just because of... And there's guys like me, preachers don't want to cover any of this. My, my, my young sisters... <laughs> We're in a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual battle. What the enemy has done has made it so more convenient because we want things and because things cost so much money uh, in the household, mom and dad have to work. Man, how about doing without some things if that's the case? If you can't work that out where you can Listen, there is no one, there was no one, I don't care who, no one who was more equipped to raise my kids than their mother. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something else because it, it bears saying something here. Because now they're doing things, they're, they're, they're so corrupting everything that there is in humanity right now that 
when I say what I'm going to say, uh, people will think I'm some kind of a bigot or I'm, I'm uh, a gay basher or I'm homophobic. Men cannot get their period. Men cannot give birth to babies. Uh, now, why am I saying that? Because that's not what they're teaching our children. There is a difference between men and women. God is saying right here, I have a position for men, I have a position for women, here's what you need to be doing. Hallelujah! Love you all! I'm going to tell you something. When my kids needed milk, don't matter how much I hold them to my chest, they ain't going to get fed. Now, as silly, now, doesn't that sound so silly? Doesn't that sound so silly? But that's what's happening now. So, so what, Tony, how did you go from there? Here, because here's what I'm trying to say to you, my brothers and sisters. Women, men, we have these positions. And men, you've abdicated your position. You're supposed to be the spiritual head of your household. And that doesn't mean that you just get to rule over your wife and kids. What that means is, first thing you do is love your wife as Christ loved the church. He died for the church. Are you willing to die for your wife? Listen, things get hot and heavy. Well, I'm, I'm splitting. No. I'm going to stay at work longer. I'm going to do this. I don't want to hear all that moaning and complaining. The kids this, the kids that. Has that ever happened? Yeah, man. Were there times I wished I didn't have to go home? Absolutely. I'm not trying to be funny. Some of you guys know that you raise kids or you're in the middle of it. You know, there's some days you wish you didn't. You didn't wish you didn't have to go to work, but you went anyway. Why? Because you got to support your family. You wish you, hey, you wish you didn't have to go home. Why? Because you know you're going to have to be the big stick. And when you go home, man, you, your kids, your kids, your kids. You ain't going to believe this. Your son did this. Boy, did I hear that. Yeah, come on. I'm not trying to be funny, but think about this. Men, we have a job to do. God has told us, raise your hands up for your family. Lift up holy hands. Don't go out there and figure out how you can get out of it. Lift up holy hands. Stand in the gap for your wife, for your children. Women, Listen, you're, you have to respect your husband. There, there is, there, it doesn't say only if he loves God. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. That means respect your husbands. Well, I respect him when he starts loving me. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. Well, I don't know how I got here, but I'm going... Listen, my, God has called us as church, as believers, as His body. We are the body of Christ. And as His body, we have to go ahead and do the things that He's told us to do. We need to function according to what He's called us to. And the problem, my brothers and sisters, is, look, we feel like... I'm, I'm not going... Yeah, me too. I, so I look at what's going on, and my heart breaks for our kids, and I've got grandkids, and I've got you know, young ladies that are talented and that are accomplished, very smart, but feel like if they didn't if they if they just did something like be a homemaker, it's a step down. Are you kidding me? You have the most important job that there is. The most important job that there is. Period. So you know what? You know, some of us, maybe we have to do without that other car or this or that so that, you know, mom can stay home. Oh, here we go. I, I, I just heard some more of them clicking off. No! Listen to me. Hear, hear what I'm saying. Listen, I'm lifting up holy hands before God. I'm not lifting my hands to another idol, to the other car, to the other house, 
to the next job that takes me more away from my kids. I'm not going to lift my hands to this, to that, to the other thing. Are you with me? No, I'm lifting up holy hands. I'm not, I'm not worshiping anything but the Almighty God. And I do that by, by realizing what He's told me to do. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions as sons, as sons and daughters, as His kids. Verse 6, And because you are His kids, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son, capital S, in our hearts, crying out, Abba, Dad. This is an affectionate affectionate term. This is an Aramaic term. Abba, Father, Dad. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. You're no longer, listen, you're no longer a slave, but you're children. And And if you're His children, then an heir of God through Christ. My brothers and sisters, we have already inherited the victory. Let's start acting like we're His kids and stop bowing to the feet of the culture. Let's start acting like we're His kids. Let's get off the darn Facebook. Let's get off the darn whatever these other things are. Let's get off of it. If it's causing you issues, if it's causing problems in your house, get off of it. The most important thing that we could do is fight, put up the dukes and fight the battle against the principalities and the powers. The principalities and the powers are using social media, they're using movies, they're using Disney World, they're using all of these things to affect us. What are we doing about it? We're soft soaping the word. We're only preaching the good stuff and things like this will get skipped over because we don't want to offend women. I'm just telling you, if, if you're a woman and you find this offensive, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. God has placed a huge mantle on you. And I'm, I said it before and I said, she's not even in here and she won't even listen to this message. I'm so glad that Michelle is so equipped because I am not. I could not have done what she has done. There's no way. Stop. I couldn't. No, I'm not. Listen, this, I'm serious now. I'm serious now. I could not have done what she did. And I still look at her and think, there's no way. She works all of those hours. She does all of those things. And she still has to take care of me. She still has to make sure that I've got something to eat. She still takes care. I, don't, I, I, don't, I can't even tell you what my paycheck is. She has the paycheck, she pays the bills, she does all of it. My wife doesn't have a college degree, but she's among the most smart, intelligent persons that I've ever met in my life. And yet there were still people, there would be people in this world that would look down. Women, women, hear me. Hear me. You are who you are because God loves you. Because God created you. You don't need any man or any society, any culture. You don't need anybody to make you. God has already made you. Amen? You are His daughter. Be happy about it. Don't worry about what they think, what they say. Man, the most important job you have is to put up your dukes and fight for your kids. Amen? Amen. So now when I see stuff like this, when I see somebody like Tony Dungy doing it right, getting lambasted, Yeah, the first thing I want to do is get mad, but now let's all stand together and lift up holy hands.